This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Favalli, coming at you, as always, with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, is positively, absolutely, unequivocally sure the Blazers are now the favorites to win the NBA title after acquiring Rodney Hood from the Cleveland Cavaliers co-host, Andrew <laughs> D. Bailey. I just need a half second to catch my breath after that one. Uh, before we get started, just want to continue reminding begging, imploring, pleading everyone to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. We've seen the numbers go up lately, so maybe me um, shamelessly trying to get everyone to do something, call to action, as they call it, uh, is working. We really want to continue to see those numbers uh, go up. We appreciate everyone who subscribes and and leaves a review and and rates us. It really helps out the pod if you can do that on iTunes. If you've already done all that, please recommend us. Shout us out on Twitter. We saw a few of you did that. Right after part two of our NBA trade deadline preview, we really appreciate that. Keep those coming. Every listener and subscriber and anyone who leaves a rating or review, really, we, we do appreciate you. Best friends for life in both Andy and I. We are going to move into part three of our trade deadline primer. Uh, hopefully it isn't ruined before it publishes because we're trying to get this in before the Super Bowl starts. Ironically, though, we were gonna we're doing Eastern Conference playoff team, so this doesn't really impact that. But before we started, literally just before we started, minutes, Rodney Hood was traded to the Portland Trailblazers for Wade Baldwin, Nick Stauskas, and two second round picks. We're still waiting on the protections on those. Uh, Hood had to waive his no trade clause. He had an implicit no trade clause because of the deal he signed with um, Cleveland. So uh, we're gonna start there just to see how this this trade goes. The only notes um, I would say otherwise is that Portland is adding $400,000 to their tax bill. So it's that plus tax, but that's a very minor note. Uh, Andy, I guess first, 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 how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm uh, stoked anytime I see a Woj bomb, even if it's uh, Rodney Hood for Wade Baldwin, Nick Stauskas, and two second round picks. It's kind of a mouthful for a player like Rodney Hood. I I would not have expected him to Especially because they don't get his bird rights. Yeah, I guess it's just. Uh, can you hear that wind? Uh, no, I cannot. That's good. There's a nice uh, um, inside baseball for people that don't know what it's like to live in Wyoming. I feel like my office is about to blow over. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it's it seems like a lot for Rodney Hood, and it's just sort of a, a one year thing i guess um i I don't know what he's gonna go for on the open on the open market but with how much portland has tied up it seems like it'd be tough to bring him back it would have to be for the taxpayer mid-level or yeah i think that that's it (laughs) maybe what what will that be do you know 
the tax pyramid level I think is going to be at five and change. I'll double check really quick, but somebody, uh, somebody will probably go higher than that. But he didn't. <laughs> he couldn't get anybody to go higher than that this past summer, so maybe not. Um, yeah, the um, sorry, the tax pyramid level is five point three million dollars. Uh, okay. Five point seven this summer. Excuse me, I was looking at the wrong yeah. one. Um, I think he can help them. His numbers are a little down this season, but I, I think it might be fair to chalk that up to the situation, the team that he's on. Has some Achilles uh, problems too. Yeah, and he he's had some health issues for a lot of his career. Not not nothing serious, but he always just seems to be dealing with some lingering injury. Um, I I can see how it can help them. I just don't. Th- this is sort of like a single, which is fine when you're in Portland's position you maybe don't need to be taking home run swings um but this <laughs> i th- this is like the most lukewarm analysis ever but this could make them better <laughs> i think it's basically a thing where they needed a wing who could dribble better than mo harkless and i would say rodney hood is that i'm not saying he's a huge upgrade and then just depending on if he's going to come off the bench after kind of a hot start defensively the bench is kind of lost its appeal. It's still shooting well, their bench overall from three, second in the league behind only the Spurs, of course, which is a monstrous margin, by the way. San Antonio's reserves are shooting almost 42% from three this year. Uh, But the reserves for Portland are getting outscored by 2.1 points per 100 possessions, and that's 21st in the NBA. So this gives them a little extra depth. I, I, I think you're right, though. I don't know that it's like, it's this huge deal. If he... And he's yet to prove that he can contribute to like this really meaningful team. We saw him get traded to Cleveland last year. Maybe that's the whole mid-season adjustment thing, but that did not go well. Yeah. he. Uh, the thing where he refused to come in in garbage time in the playoffs was crazy. Right. Um, and I think that hurt his value last summer. And then I haven't, I haven't heard a lot about him this season being a malcontent or anything like that. Um, he's He has like like plummeted it, he was at the beginning of the season it seemed like he was perking up a bit he was shooting really well on pull-up threes then the Achilles yeah. issues hit and it's just been he has not been good since hey uh let's see here yeah in January and February well his his points per game averages have gone down each month this season <laughs> so you're on to something there 14 in October 12.9 in November 12.2 in December 10.8 in January, and then he scored six in his only game in February. Um, and the, I think, true, yeah, true shooting percentage is kind of all over the place. But yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's nothing to like knock your socks off. Portland also opens a roster spot for this. So maybe they could bring Wes Matthews back after he gets bought out, or uh, maybe Melo's coming. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be some pocket of fans for every NBA team who thinks Melo would help. Good. Just put him on a team. We need. I don't want him to go out like this. I just want like yeah, let, I want to see him play in the NBA again this season. And I think he will, but because the Lakers are a shit show, and we know that he's eventually going to end up there probably. Who the Lakers? Yeah. The, <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of the Lakers, by the time oh, we're gosh. let's set the over under. By the time this drops early Monday morning, will Luke Walton still be the coach of the Lakers? Um. Yeah, that's a tough call. I wouldn't. I would just quit if I was him. What's the incentive for him at this point? Uh, you want to get fired so you get your money? Millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> that's a pretty. It's good just incentive. not fair. I don't care what people think that he is tactically. He's not. 
he's not been given the best roster. The pieces are ill-fitting around LeBron. They're not built to win without him. And then it's someone pointed this out too after their uh, that loss to the Warriors on Saturday night. It's got to be tough to balance out the rotation because you have these veterans coupled with these youngsters who are supposed to be developing, and you need to play them. How are you supposed to assemble the minutes distribution? I know some of the lineups he throws out there. They look terrible. I don't need to see Michael Beasley and Lance Stevenson on the floor at the same time. I mean, well, this, it's not like these are veterans that should be playing a ton either. I guess that's is- fair, but it's this is what happens, when, especially all these guys are on one year contracts. It's just the, the Lakers really just, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, did you see, did I, I sent you that Damon Rangula tweet, didn't I? Yeah, I was laughing. He is so hysterical. <laughs> Hoomst could have seen trouble with this garbage roster with an odd mix of cast-off veterans trying to get a second wind or third in the league and young guys trying to make a name for themselves with an aging goat who only wants to compete for titles. Oh, and a young coach with a weak assistant bench and a front office that clearly wanted him gone with a franchise superstar that didn't really want him either, but the owner stood by him. Who could have seen this awkwardness? <laughs> I think we just really need to leave it at that because... Yeah, it's part of it's part and parcel of the LeBron experience too, and maybe that's a maybe that'll help Rodney Hood. Portland's culture seems to be a lot better off than Cleveland's was. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, if all he's got to do is play catch and shoot off of uh, Lillard and McCollum, and maybe make the the occasional attack closeout, um, there are times when he looks pretty good when he takes like a one or two dribble, fifteen uh, foot pull up. Um, so it doesn't have to be exclusively threes. But yeah, I think you're right. It's it's almost certainly going to be a better situation for him than what he's had for the last basically 12 months. Wasn't that kind of the thing with him in Utah though? He was the one that most off, often deviated from like what Quinn Snyder wanted on offense where oh it looks it makes sense that he should be that catch and shooter that one dribble, two dribble guy really quick off the catch, but he he never was. <laughs> he was always a little bit like his his skill in his game was always fairly tantalizing it just never quite lived up to what you thought it would be um and he's actually his three-point percentage is fine but it's actually a little bit lower than i think a lot of people would realize he shoots 36.8 percent from three for his career um when he first came to the league i thought he just had such a beautiful stroke uh, looked balanced on like every attempt. I thought that that guy's going to be a forty percent three point shooter. I even had like visions of Michael Red his first couple years in Utah. Oh geez, <laughs> just this really sweet looking left handed shooting stroke, um, and it's just never quite panned out. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he can finally sort of find the right role here in Portland. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what his role looks like there. The other thing I wanted to note really quickly was since we last recorded, people seem to have warmed up to the Kristaps Porzingis trade. And I just want to make it clear <laughs> that you cannot say that this was a good trade until you find out what happens in free agency. We can't, I'm, if you, if we can't kill it till then, that's fine too. We just shouldn't litigate because what's going to happen if you don't, well, first off, there was a pathway to the Knicks signing a superstar and keeping Kristaps. There were other mechanisms they could have used to open up cap space I'm of the mind that you don't, unless it costs you not much in the way of internal assets, I would say that you wait until you know that you need the cap space to create it. And then two, there were pathways to where they could have easily created that second uh, or that first max lot alongside Christos Porzingis. So unless you get two superstars this summer, you have failed because you could always have signed one. Unless you get two, you have failed. And that's just it. 
So I think we just need to keep that um, in a little bit of perspective. And if you don't get any superstars, I want to remind people that you then traded Kristaps Porzingis for Dennis Smith Jr. and two first-round picks that, while they're loosely protected, may end up not being that good. Those could be, by that point in 2021 and 2023, we're talking maybe high 20s. Did you see what Fizdale said about DeAndre Jordan? Um, that he, I think I tweeted about that where he said he wants them, he wants to help teach the young kids how to play defense. Yeah. And then I said he's going to teach Mitchell Robinson how to remain out of camera frame as long as possible while the Knicks get back on D. Yeah. They, I think he might have had a new quote today where he said, if there's anybody in this league that can teach these guys how to play defense, it's DeAndre Jordan. Well, they need to, what the Knicks also need to do is make sure that they're doing right by these veterans because one, DJ is friends with Kevin Durant. And two, yeah. you've kind of just burnt any public relations argument you have to the ground by the way um, stuff unfolded with Mello, by what's going on with Cantor. I know Knicks fans hate him, but it, that's mind-boggling to me. You're, they told him he was going to start once, only to not play him. I'd be frustrated, too, if I wasn't playing. It's it's just yeah. it's, it's absurd for to be mad at him. And then the whole Kristaps stuff, and they're tr- still trying to spin it that he wasn't going to sign a contract with them. I'll believe him accepting the qualifying offer if if I see it. Like, yeah. A, a more competent front office would have known how to, would have known how to play in that game. So maybe it works uh, out for them, but we can't. I don't think we can warm up to this deal until we see free agency play out. That's just that's my opinion. Um, I think a good way to describe Nick's management and just organization in general is they make Ennis Cantor look like the good guy. <laughs> it's funny how Nick's fans have turned on him, though. Even the ones that are normally against the organization, I've noticed on Twitter. They're, it's not just the normal team shills. It's guys that normally don't like it, and they're getting. I'm, yeah, I'm, that's surprising. I understand it personally, but you know, that's just the Knicks in a nutshell. They they incite that kind of that drama, just yeah. in general. Now we're ready to get into this trade deadline preview. We're going to go in <laughs> reverse alphabetical order for the projected Eastern Conference playoff teams. That means we'll be starting with the Toronto Raptors. Buyers or sellers? We have them as very clear buyers. Uh, though some people have entertained, maybe they'll make a move to shave some money off off their tax bill. Perhaps that's possible. They're untouchable players: Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, Patrick McCaw, trade restriction, and then Pascal Siakam. Unless they're in an Anthony Davis trade, obviously, which they probably won't be this season. Notable trade assets: OG Ananobi, Danny Green, who's expiring at ten million; Fred Van Fleet, who has another year and nine point three million left on his deal after this one; uh, Delon Wright. Dellen Wright, our restricted free agency this summer. Notable inbound draft picks, none. Uh, their 2019 first rounder is going to San Antonio, top 20 protection. It'll turn into two seconds if it's not conveyed. Best salary matching assets, Serge Ibaka has another year and $23.3 million left on his deal. CJ Miles has an $8.7 million player option for 2019-2020. And then Norman Powell has three years and $32.6 million uh, after this season, they also have Greg Monroe expiring at $1.5 million, Malachi Richardson expiring at $1.5 million. My toughest player for them to move, um, I would still guess it's Jonas Valanciunas with his $17.6 million player option. I know he's cheaper than Ibaka, but uh, Serge still just seems a little bit more fit for the, the modern NBA at the five than, than Valanciunas would. And also, he's injured right now, so I think that factors into it. Yeah, I think that's all fair. Most likely player to be traded for them is actually kind of tough because you, unless you, I don't know what they're going to use as their primary trade asset, depending on what they're doing, but it's uh, Delon Wright 
I would still say he's going to be restricted free agent this summer. And maybe if you're confident enough in your playmaking, um, I know their offense hasn't been in, in like insanely good over the past couple months, but if you're confident enough in having enough playmakers, maybe you could use him to get another shooter. Um, I don't know if you think uh, it could be anybody else. There was the rumblings about Valanchunas being in a Marc Gasol deal. Um, so maybe I'd be tempted to put him there, which is kind of funny because you've got him as toughest player to move. And I understand that with that big option that he's got going. Toronto would have to attach a sweetener. Um, obviously, if they're going to, if, if the deal is centered around Jonas Valanciunas and Marc Gasol, then Memphis is going to want some sort of future consideration as well. Um, other than that, I don't, I think DeLon Wright's probably a good call. And we've we've made that argument a few times with other teams that sometimes it's nice just to dodge restricted free agency. So that would that would accomplish that for them. Um their salary cap situation situation at glance, they're about close to seventeen million dollars over the luxury tax, so not a ton of flexibility there. Their biggest thing to watch for me is failing a surprise Bradley Beal or Anthony Davis deal. Can they get another shooter on the trade market? And the trade that's become most common to suggest is just Delon Wright and a, a second for Reggie Bullock. I don't know that I would actually do that if I were Toronto. It seems like they're giving up a little much. So the trade I came up with is kind of similar. Um, and I know CJ Miles has been shooting better since coming back from his injury, but they would send Miles and Wright to the Pistons for Bullock, Stanley Johnson, and then Glenn Robinson the third, who is expiring because he has that team option next year and Robinson the third can't help you this season I don't think but you're you're at least you're helping your shooting and I think Bullock is going to be easier to keep on the floor defensively than Miles will in the playoffs and then maybe Stanley Johnson helps you defensively and can give you if you let him have a little bit more ball handling responsibility in the second unit that might just be something interesting and I don't know if Detroit's willing to sell that low on Johnson but to have to pay both those guys, Bullock and, and, and Johnson, maybe it's actually worth it to have Miles, who's going to still make threes, and he'll probably pick up his player option. So you at least know that you have that shooter and, and that wing sort of in the bag. And they could use – Wright could start for them at point guard, I was in say, my opinion. He'd be their best point guard as soon as he walked into the facility. <laughs> so that I, – I like that deal um, for both sides. Bullock is a career 40% three-point shooter – um, you get a guy who maybe still has a little bit of potential that has been untapped in Stanley Johnson. Um, add him to that that crop of sort of up-and-coming guys that Toronto still has on its bench. Um, he's not as good as DeLon Wright, who's part of that crop now, but uh, I think it makes it a little bit easier to lose DeLon Wright if you get some kind of potential back with Stanley Johnson. I, I like that deal for all the reasons you've already mentioned. And again, I do think... Um, whether he would actually start over Reggie Jackson or not, he would be the best point guard on the Pistons. Um, that that mix of Jackson, Drummond, and Griffin just hasn't quite panned out. Basically, since the trade was made, um, Griffin, Drummond, and Ish Smith have, have been much better than those two with Jackson. So I think they could really use an upgrade at point guard. And we've talked about Mike Conley possibly going there. It just, it just seems like it'd be hard for them to pull that deal off, but they, they need some help um, outside of their front court. And Toronto's just in a weird situation. They're a uh, 16th in offensive efficiency since December 15th, which really isn't that great. 
And yeah. during that same time, they are 25th in three-point percentage. And maybe that's the argument of why would you move. Uh, Wright is a better shooter than Johnson. So I know you're getting Bullock, who's probably as dependable or close to it than Miles, who's, again, started off the season cold, but has picked up a little bit of late. And I don't know if Detroit would be interested in it. I looked at this and told you, I think someone needs a second-round pick, but I'm not sure who. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I could see a pick going uh, – I guess I'm kind of with you. I don't know who it would go to. I, I think it's probably fine as is. Um, if you're just asking me like who's the better shooter in a vacuum, I'm I'm very confidently going to take uh, Reggie Bullock over CJ Miles. So Fair I think enough. that that would certainly help their shooting woes. I didn't realize they had been um, they had struggled that much offensively for the last almost two months now. They've dealt with injuries, obviously, but that too, yeah. But still, that's that's, that's a team. I wonder how many minutes the like actual starting five has played: Lowry, Green, Leonard, um, Siakam, and Ibaka. There can't be a ton. No, and I actually have not looked at it. I know it's it's probably at least more than the Nuggets have had with uh, yeah with their starters. So, did you want to do the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers? Sure. Who just uh, lost Wilson Chandler for, I think it's said three weeks, which is, they're kind of low on wings to begin with. That is, I kind of liked him as their like combo 3-4. Um, so that's that's not an because he was the only option as that combo 3-4? <laughs> um, maybe I still just have a soft spot for him um, from his glory years with the Nuggets. Philadelphia 76ers, buyers or sellers? Uh, we have him as buyers. I think that's probably... Uh, Pretty clear. I don't know how many people would disagree with that. They might be desperate players. buyers at this point. Yeah. Untouchable players, Jimmy Butler, 19.8 million player option uh, for next season. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Notable trade assets, Jonah Bolden, Markel Fultz, TJ McConnell, Landry Shamit, and Zaire Smith. Notable inbound draft picks. I'm gonna, I might have to be like an auctioneer on this. Uh, all their first-round picks, Chicago's 2019 second, Sacramento's 2019 second, uh, or the more favorable with Milwaukee, uh, 2020 second from Brooklyn or New York, more favorable. Dallas's 2020 second-round pick, Miami's 2021 first-round pick, Denver's 2021 second-round pick, Detroit's 2021 second-round pick, New York's 2021 second-round pick, Detroit's 2023 second-round pick. That's insane. Um, notable outbound picks Sacramento's 2019 first to Boston uh, has a top one protection and the 2022 second round pick to Denver or Minnesota um, it's just crazy how many inbound picks there <laughs> best salary matching assets Wilson Chandler expiring at 12.3 million for Con Maz 1.7 million uh, expiring this season Mike Muscala also expiring he's at 5 Justin Patton also expiring. He's at 2.7 million, and JJ Redick is expiring at 12.3 million. Uh, toughest player to move, Markel Fultz. Um, I, I don't think, think which is just so weird to say, but yes. he's owed two years and 22 million dollars. Granted, 2020, 2021 is a team option, but that's not that's not a good selling point. Like, hey, this former number overall pick, you can just get rid of him if you want to after next season. Yeah, I uh, I can't think of somebody else that it would be. I, I could see some team talking themselves into he was just the number one pick. This is I mean, he did this in college two years ago. Maybe we can 
you know, figure out what in the world happened with his shoulder and get him back on track. But even then, even those teams, I have a feeling are going to lowball Philadelphia. Um, and that's what also makes him hard is how do you value him in a trade as Philly? I'm married yeah. to this trade, by the way. I have the ones that you're going to read. I have two different versions of it. Um, that we'll get to the second version in Miami slide, but I'm married. I think this is my favorite one. We actually built it together. So, um, most likely to be traded, Mike Muscala. I think that's probably fine with all those different expiring contracts. Um, there are certainly options to choose from here, but I think Muscala is a good one. What to watch? Uh, do they consider moving Mar- Markel Fultz? Um, I, I'm sure they're already considering it. It just depends on how serious they are and, and whether or not they get anything that's reasonable from other teams. If I was another team that, that was interested, I'd certainly be trying to lowball them too. The trade idea. 76ers receive Dwayne Dedman, Wayne Ellington. Uh, he's got a consent to the trade. Rodney Magruder and Torian Prince. The Hawks receive Markel Fultz. Derek Jones, Justin Patton, a 2020 second round pick from Brooklyn or New York, and it's coming from Philly. It's part of that huge treasure chest that I read off earlier. And then the Heat get for Con Korkmaz and a 2020 or a 2019 second round pick from Chicago, um, also ultimately coming from Philly. Uh, I, I'll let you talk about this because I've I've kind of rambled on a lot in this one. So I had a first round pick in this trade going to Atlanta. Phillies 2019, and you pointed out that you think that might be too much to give up faults for what amounts to some cheaper players, mostly expiring ones, and faults and a first along with so many so many seconds or that other second going to um, Miami. I think they could throw it in if they wanted to, and I wouldn't care. But for Philly, you're getting a backup big in Dwayne Dedman who stretches the floor, been shooting mm-hmm. well in Atlanta. Wayne Ellington is just going to help your shooting in general. You can have him like you, Shamit, and J.J. Redick. And then Rodney Magruder, he's another ball-handling guard, and he can defend some wings, which is someone they need now, especially with Chandler out. And then Torian Prince would be a great flyer for this team. Has another year left on his rookie-scale deal, even though he's extension eligible this summer. And he doesn't kill your cap flexibility then. And even with, I think Rodney Magruder is great to have his restricted free agent rights because his cap hold is nothing this summer when you're looking to use uh, – space to to sign other players once again and so for philly it's a no-brainer to me atlanta i'd be interested to see trey young and mark helfoltz play together and be very and that 2020 second round pick from uh brooklyn or new york is going to be it could end up being like a solid second rounder so if you think that you can get i mean Fultz and young together that that could be a rangy backcourt i know herders um emerged but that would still be interesting to me and then for miami if you can get a pick and duck the luxury tax in the same trade for getting rid of Ellington and Magruder, you do it. And that's just my justification ends there for that. I'm going to go back to Atlanta. Um, Kevin Herter has been good, but I, I think, especially with the way basketball is played right now, you could probably play Trey Young, Markel Fultz, and Kevin Herter one through three. Um, also true. There, <laughs> there's going to be some issues defensively. Um, Kevin Herter guarding some of the bigger small forwards in the NBA would be a problem. Trey Young guarding um, in general hasn't been great this season, but Fultz, so far really all he's shown um, is that he has some defensive potential. I know his playmaking's been good at times too, but um, yeah, I would just be really interested to see those three guys, John Collins, um, and then they're going to have another lottery pick uh, incoming this season. 
possibly even two, depending on where Dallas falls on the lottery. So that team is uh, really interesting, but that's not who we're talking about here. Um, Philadelphia, the the gripe or the complaint or however you want to phrase it, has been depth for a while for them, and this trade really helps their depth. Um, I, I could see any of these four guys, especially especially Deadman, Ellington, and Prince, having legit roles for them going forward, and and you still have that stacked starting lineup. Um, so this, I, I think it's a no brainer for them, and and with as deep as their uh, as as full as their cupboard is with future assets and like second round picks and stuff, it's it's should be no sweat for them to give up a couple of their seconds. So it's uh, I, I like this deal for everyone. Would you, if Atlanta wanted Phillies first, would you give it to them if you're the Sixers? Now that I'm like looking at all of what they have incoming, I I, I think I could probably be talked into that. Um, especially when they're like. They've got to be thinking win now at this point, or at least like um, on the brink of that. So it's it's. I don't think it would be that big a deal to give up that first. My only logic was is that Atlanta has so much, uh, so many 2019 incoming picks. They're not going to get Cleveland's. They're they're probably not going to get Cleveland's first at all. It's top ten protected in the next two years. They they'll probably get Dallas's. They have their own pick. They're trading their second round pick. They're. To, actually, they're going to keep their own second round pick because that's protected for 31 to 35 to Washington. Uh, they have Charlotte's 2019 second round pick, and they're getting the less favorable second round pick from Minnesota or the Lakers. It just seems like a 2020 pick. I know it's in the second round, just makes more sense because you don't want to have, I guess you can always combine these assets to trade up, and a first round pick is inherently more valuable than a second. If I'm Philly, I'm pr- I might draw the line at giving up both because then that just looks like you're using Markel Fultz as a complete salary dump but i would yeah. i would substitute the 2019 first round pick for sure yeah i don't think i would have a huge issue with that but that you know even just the players involved makes this deal pretty interesting to me um that would bring us to the milwaukee bucks uh they're kind of an interesting team to use uh buyers or sellers very clearly buyers untouchable players they have none just kidding Giannis Antetokounmpo. Notable trade assets, Eric Bledsoe expiring at $15 million, Malcolm Brogdon, restricted free agent this summer, Sterling Brown, his salary is non-guaranteed for 2019-2020, Pat Connaughton, non-guaranteed salary for next season, Brooke Lopez expiring at $3.4 million, Thon Maker, Thon McCurr, however you want to say it, Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, Christian Wood, blowing up the G League, by the way, but non-guaranteed for 2019-2020. Notable inbound draft picks. They have Denver's 2019 second uh, top 55 protection. I included that quote unquote fake second because there's a chance that it actually conveys because the Nuggets are so good. Washington's 2020 second round pick. Washington's 2021 second round pick. Those are selections that could be oddly valuable too. Outbound draft picks that are of note. 2019 first goes to Phoenix, but it's protected for numbers one to three and 17 to 30. It's then top seven protected in 2020. Uh, 2019 second round. So crazy. I'm sorry. Protections protections on these picks are just getting so wild. Those first two years, this because it's from last season. The the Milwaukee one was just wonky. Their 2019 second round pick is going to Milwaukee or Philadelphia. Um, excuse me, going to going to Philadelphia. I don't know why I have going to Milwaukee or Philadelphia on here. That's that's a nice little typo on my sheet. It's good that I'm. (laughs) It's it's good. It's good that I'm proofreading. It's Philadelphia or Sacramento. It's probably going to go. 
to Philly. Their 2021 first round pick uh, goes to Cleveland. It's lottery protected and contingent upon their obligation to Phoenix. It will be top 10 protected in 2022. And then their 2020 second round pick goes to Cleveland. That was kind of a mouthful in itself. Yeah. Best salary matching assets, George Hill, 1 million partial guarantee for 2019-2020 and is making 19 million this season. Ursan Ilyasova has two years and 14 million left on his deal, but his salary is non-guaranteed in that final year. Jason Smith is expiring at 5.5 million. Tony Snell has two years and 23.6 million left on his deal. Their toughest player to move, I would say, is George Hill, only because they the reason they made that Cleveland trade is they wanted to give themselves plenty of room under the tax this summer with Brogdon, Bledsoe, and uh, Middleton going to free agency and. He should also be under notable trade assets. I think I left him out by saying he, just because he was, I wasn't sure if he should be untouchable, but he has a player option for next season. He's going to decline it. So you can't flip George Hill's contract really without taking back salary, which is what I think they would be looking to do. So for what they would want in a George Hill trade, I think he's their toughest to move. Is he another one of those guys who can't be traded in combination with somebody else too? I think they got that trade in under the, uh, that Cleveland trading because I think they got that trade. Uh, excuse me. I think they got the Cleveland trade in time, February 6th. He can be moved in combination with another player. So when this okay. podcast drops, perfect. Um, or close to when this, excuse me. Yeah. I, he's basically expiring because the 1 million guarantee is, I mean, it's a million bucks, but that's not a lot against the entire cap. Um, but the way you explained, it makes sense that I think I would probably agree. He's going to be, their hardest player to move. Yes, and he can. I was right. He can be moved on. Trade restriction is up on February 6th. Most likely player to be traded, Don Maker. He asked for out. So yeah. there you go. Uh, and there was a tweet from, was it Woj who tweeted yesterday that there's like multiple people exploring that, multiple teams exploring that? Yeah. And that'd be a nice four or five flyer just to take on. Uh, I don't think that they Milwaukee was clearly higher on him and ever, than everyone else, and and Woj said that they still remain high on his future, but he's not playing, so you can't yeah. demand all this this huge return from him. Um, their salary cap situation at a glance, they're about five million below the luxury tax, which is which is great. What to watch? Are they done making moves? And the Thonmaker trade demand, they could be, but the Thonmaker trade demand would suggest that um, maybe not. His value is not going to go anywhere but down if they continue yeah. not playing him. The trade I have. He, oh, go ahead. I was say I think he gets moved, but I don't. I don't think they need to make a big trade. Um, I keep hearing people like, especially on the Bill Simmons podcast. He's always like, Milwaukee has one more trade to make. They need to turn Bledsoe into something better. And um, I don't think people understand how good this team has been. And it's not this. even what are you going to turn Eric Bledsoe into? Yeah. Do you know where he ranks in the average player rankings thing right now? Bledsoe, he's got to be top forty. Number 17. That I did not see coming. <laughs> He's been really good this season. Their starting five is stacked. They have one of the best point differentials in the last like 15 years um, as a team. I don't I don't think they need to do anything like major to shake this up. And I think I think the trade that you've got listed here is the exactly what they should be looking for is something like this. And it has to take place February 6th or later because Jason Smith's Trade restriction, he can't be traded in combination with another player until then. The trade I have is the Bucks receive Dwayne Dedman, and the Hawks get Thon Maker and Jason Smith. And he's, uh, I mean, he, he's like a tailor-made backup center 
for the Sixers. I think he would he would work really well here as well. Um, he's not going to stretch the floor quite like Brook Lopez does, but you still keep. I mean, are you sure? Yeah, I don't know. It, it, under Mike Budenholzer, um, maybe maybe he can just let it fly like Lopez has. Um, I mean, are you, you ready, are you ready for the Dwayne Dedman stat of all Dwayne Dedman stats? Here's every big man this season averaging more than 10 rebounds, two assists, one steal, and one made triple for 36 minutes. Nikola Jokic, Nikola Vucevic, and Dwayne Dedman. <laughs> That's crazy. So, yeah, maybe I spoke too soon. Um, but you get you get 48 minutes of floor spacing five um, with Dwayne Dedman on your roster, and he can defend too. Um, that stat supports that claim as well. I, I think he would make a ton of sense there. And then for Atlanta, um, Maker's really interesting for them. I, I think it's, you know, they're obviously in a place now where they can take flyers on guys who have first round pedigree and just didn't quite work out in their original situation. Uh, maybe he's mobile enough and maybe John Collins is mobile enough that you can play those two guys together going forward. I, I think it's a really interesting deal. You know what? I'm with you actually. <laughs> <laughs> And I, if you wanted to, Milwaukee has a second that they can send to Atlanta, but I don't. I don't think they need to. I think this is selling. Not. Well, I think it's equal value just because I'd be intrigued in a Collins maker front court in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think I want Collins to be a five, um, but he's he's been really good for them at the four this season. So I don't think it's like the end of the world if you get somebody who can also move around pretty well at the five to play next to him. I, I think, uh, I don't know, I like this deal. I've, I've said that two or three times now, but this is exactly the kind of thing that... Uh, can you say it one more time just to make me feel good about it again? <laughs> this is exactly what Milwaukee should be looking for. I don't think they need to, to make a home run swing right now. They are really, really good. You want to move on to the Miami Heat, who I don't think – I don't want them in the playoffs. I mean, I know this is Dwayne Wade last season, but this team is – I'm not intrigued when I watch them. I'm bored. How many games in a row have they lost? I think it's like 40. <laughs> Three in a row. Um, I just feel like almost every time I check the scores, they've lost. And I've I've watched them um, probably not enough this season, but I'm, I'm with you. They're just not that intriguing to me, but I'm stalling. Um, are they buyers or sellers? They are buyers. Um, they're untouchable players. Udonis Haslam uh, expiring at one and a half million. That'd be wild if they traded him. <laughs> um, Same with Dwayne Wade. Send him to the uh, playoff team. Another a better playoff team. Yeah, Dwayne Wade expiring at one and a half million. Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow. Uh, Winslow's got a poison pill provision. He's been really interesting at point guard lately. Notable trade assets. Bam Adebayo, Wayne Ellington expiring at $6.3 million with an implicit no-trade clause. Derek Jones Jr., non-guaranteed salary for 2019-20. And Rodney Magruder, restricted free agent this summer. Notable inbound picks, none. Notable outbound picks, 2019 second-round pick to Minnesota. 2021 first-round pick to Philly. 2021 second-round pick to Sacramento. And a 2023 second-round pick to Dallas. Their best salary-matching assets? Goran Dragic, $19.2 million player option for next season. James Johnson, two years, $31.4 million left on his deal. Tyler Johnson, $19.2 million player option for next season. Elio Lenick, two years, $26.7 million. Hassan Whiteside, $27.1 million player option for next season. Um, toughest like player. Money. I know. that. 
was it was it 16 or 17 when they made all these deals? Gordon Hayward was a free agent in 2017, right? Yeah. So it was that summer. So the, the white side was 16 though. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um toughest player to move, Dion Waiters, 2 years, 24.8 million. Most likely to get traded, Wayne Ellington. Um, and they are about six point three million over the luxury tax. That's that's got to hurt to be over the luxury tax with this roster. Actually, almost exactly Wayne Ellington's salary, though. <laughs> um, and he's a guy that can. I think a lot of teams could tuck themselves into. Um, what to watch for? Can they duck the luxury tax? And do they have a biggish move in them? Um, your trade. Miami receives Markel Fultz. Atlanta receives. For Con Korkmaz, Derek Jones Jr., Justin Patton, 2019 first round pick, uh, 2020 second round pick. Uh, that first round pick comes from Philly. 2020 second round pick from Brooklyn or New York via Philly. Uh, 2021 second round pick, uh, less favorable from Detroit or, or New York via Philly. And then the Sixers get Dwayne Dedman, Wayne Ellington, uh, Rodney Magruder, and Torian Prince. So it's basically the same framework as the same. other trade. It's just that if Miami doesn't care so much about getting under the tax and wants to acquire what, what maybe could end up being this huge difference maker for players that perhaps they don't want to pay. They're not going to pay Wayne Ellington this summer. Just I know he's playing again for them, but I would be surprised if they paid him. And that would be just the route for them to go. And then if you're Atlanta, I mean, you're getting another first round pick this year and then, and then two more seconds. I know maybe that's selling too low on Torian Prince, but if he's on the market and you're worried about what he might fetch as a restricted free agent in 2020, something to something to consider. They might arguably prefer this deal than get than taking on Markel Fultz. I still would rather have if I'm getting another pick, if it was Fultz in the 2019 first round pick, I would I would rather get that if I'm Atlanta. The only reason Miami's not getting that type of return is because their players are expiring and I think it's it's better for they're never going to get a high upside play like this organically. Yeah, um, I think I probably like the Fultz in Atlanta variation more as well. Um, but I, I don't think it would be that difficult to talk Atlanta into this either. I mean, there's there's a lot coming back here. Um, and Miami is – yeah, I could see them talking themselves into Markel Fultz too. I, I It's going to be kind of the same thing I said when we talked about that trade. But there's got to be a team or two out there that thinks – it was not that long ago that this guy averaged like 26 and six um, for Washington and was a consensus number one. There were very few people who were arguing against him being the number one pick. Um, and it's one of the most bizarre falls from um, pre-draft grace I think I've ever seen. So I, I want him to get traded this year and, and have a chance to play somewhere because I just I want to see if somebody can bring back that player we thought we were getting. Um, he's never going to have the carte blanche he might need in Philly, which is not, you know, Philly has all these other talented players. Yeah. Um, and in a year or two, I know Miami's like traditionally, they're not about rebuilding the, the hard way where you just bottom out and get a couple of interesting young guys and, and build from there. Um, but after the last two or three seasons, maybe Pat Riley will have a little bit of a change of heart and think, Maybe we got to go about this a different way. Um, so he could have that opportunity in Miami in a year or two. Um, he's he's still 
most interesting to me in Atlanta, even though he doesn't have the carte blanche thing that we just talked about there because it's going to be Trey Young and John Collins' team. Um, but I just think talent-wise uh, and fit-wise, he just kind of meshes there really well. No, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely with you there. That takes us to... Oh, and the other thing that we didn't really know about Philly for this is because you're replacing Fultz's salary for next year with uh, Prince's salary and Rodney Magruder's hold, I mean, you're opening up between another 5 and $6 million in cap space. And so if you end up giving up your first-round pick as part of this deal, too, you're looking at over $25 million in cap space while having uh, Torian Prince and the, the rights to Magruder. So that's just something that and, – and TJ McConnell's hold. That's a lot of money to end up fleshing out the roster with. Yeah. While also having a base in place now because of of those moves. Yeah, I think that's a good point to make for sure. Um, Indiana, we're on now. Buyers or sellers is tough. I, I just think they're buyers. Maybe we could write, could be sellers for them, but I don't think the Victor Oladipo injury gives them an incentive to sell off any of their free agents. And that that's just me. So free agents would be, excuse me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, it's not like they can enter the tank race right now either. So there's, yeah, I don't, I don't think there should be much incentive for them to be sellers right now. Um, notable trade assets: we have Ek Anabogu. I hope I, I, I'm always iffy on that pronunciation. Non guaranteed, non guaranteed salary for 2019-2020. Bojan Bogdanovic expiring at 10.5 million. I would not move him though, especially with Oladipo injured. Yeah. Aaron Collison expiring at 10 million. Aaron Holiday, uh, Leeds Johnson, non guaranteed salary for 2019-2020. Uh, Corey Joseph expiring at 7.5 million, uh, 7.9 million. TJ Leaf. Doug McDermott, Kylo Quinn expiring at four point four million, Thaddeus Young expiring at thirteen point eight million. Um, notable first rounders, they have all their own first rounders. Uh, notable outbound draft picks, two thousand nineteen second round pick to Brooklyn. It's protected for selections number forty five to sixty, so it's actually probably not going to convey their best salary matching assets that we've not already mentioned. Tyreek Evans expiring at twelve point four million. Their toughest player to move, I'd say none. If you want to say Tyreek Evans just because are you going to have to take money back um, to get rid of him, maybe. But I don't think the Pacers are a team. They have so much cap space that they might not care about, and they're not a free agency destination. If they can get a player that they think is going to help them into next season, then why not? Um, most likely player to be traded, I'm interested to see if you agree with this one, uh, Kyle O'Quinn. I just want to see him uh, play on a team that actually plays him, yeah. His his uh, his numbers are so fascinating over the last three seasons now, but he just can't really get on the floor. And it's hard to fault Indiana because Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis are both really good. They are, for- though, at times this season, they've gone to TJ Leaf and Alize Johnson before they have Kyle O'Quinn, and maybe that they have more confidence in those guys playing the four than him, which I, I suppose is fine. Do you, uh, so over the last three seasons, O'Quinn is averaging 14.4 points, 12.5 rebounds, 3.9 assists, 2.8 blocks, and one steal per 36 minutes. Um, trash. This, this season alone, he's averaging 14.5 points, 2.7 blocks, and 5.6 assists per 36 minutes. Um, his foul rate is pretty high, but 
I, I just want to see him play somewhere where he's consistently on the floor for like 20 to 25 minutes a game at least. I, I think he could really produce for someone. How many minutes has he played this season? I'm not looking at his page. I'm going to guess it's under 400, though. I am looking, and it's uh, 199. There you go. I never would have guessed under 200. <laughs> yeah, it, it's nothing. I mean, he did play a decent amount in New York the last two seasons. Um, Even they underutilized him. I'd like to see a team that might let him explore his three-point shot a little bit more, too. But whatever. 1,200 minutes um, in 2016-17 and almost 1,400 minutes in 2017-18. And now he's just not playing at all for Indiana. Um, there's there's got to be some team out there that could use him. He does, he does a lot of different things on the floor. Fear not. I've traded him in this 14-mega uh, <laughs> trade I have teed up for... Uh, the Pacers, the salary cap situation, uh, they have plenty of flexibility under the tax. I think it's more than $17 million. What to watch? Will they make a move to off- offset Oladipo's season-ending injury? I know a lot of people mentioned Mike Conley. I don't know if I would go all in on him now. Maybe you do because you think about next year, but it's so tough to know without seeing how Oladipo is following this injury. Yeah, I agree. The trade idea is going to be a mouthful, so everybody buckle up. I'm just trying to make sure that the Cavaliers didn't ruin it yet, and they did not. So the Indiana Pacers would receive Wayne Ellington, who must consent to the trade, and Rodney Magruder. Uh, The Cavs would receive Justin Patton and a 2020 second-round pick, top 45 protection via Indiana. Miami Heat would receive David Nwaba, 2019 first-round pick, with top 20 protection in 2019, lottery protection in 2020 would turn into two seconds if not conveyed. A 2019 second round pick, um, it would come from Philly, and it's the more favorable of Milwaukee and Sacramento. The Sixers would receive Kyle O'Quinn. My thing here is the Pacers offense. I think you add more shooting, Magruder's good off a catch. We know Wayne Ellington is, and that's just a good way to neutralize the absence of a ball handler. And we've seen Magruder show flashes of pick and roll initiation in Miami at times too. I know you're giving up a first if you're Indy, but it's you're, you're safeguarded against disaster and maybe you get to keep it this year. Um, and then if something bad happens next year, because Oladipo is himself, you would still get to keep it. Uh, Cleveland, just you're getting a pick most likely uh, to take on Justin Patton, who makes $1.2 million more than David Nwaba for the heat. I like this because you are getting out, from under the tax and Nawaba, if he's healthy, he's been injured every five seconds this year helps helps. He can play in the backcourt and he can defend uh, players that are much bigger than him. And you're getting picks for Ellington and Magruder, which is a win. And then the Sixers just need Kyle Quinn. A lot of people like him there as his best fit and to only give up um, Patton and a second round pick. I, I don't know why you wouldn't do that for them. Yeah, I think there's, <clears throat> I think it's all logical from all four teams perspectives as you've explained it um and again i think o'quinn would be really interesting if he could just play somewhere and that is a good spot for him um i know jonah bolden's kind of been uh perking up lately for the sixers but i don't i don't think it necessarily kills his development if you bring in a better guy right now um so i i I like this trade a lot and i ellington understandably has been traded to a bunch of different teams in this podcast it's because he's he's on a good contract a good movable contract um and he can shoot and and every team needs shooting and like you said with the loss of victor oladipo they're gonna have to find ways to scrounge up some offense they went on a i think it was a three-game losing streak 
after he went down. Um, they won their last one, and they're, they're just going to need a little bit more firepower. Um, Demonis Sabonis has been a little bit of a slump lately, and uh, you just you, you have to have a couple guys who can pick up the slack if Oladipo's out and your you know, next couple guys just aren't quite themselves on a night-to-night basis. The, the note I have written down about this trade, too, is that fake seconds need to be exchanged so that every team is touching each other. If Miami wants to go the non-simultaneous route, uh, you complete the 3T trade with um, them getting Justin Patton, and then you send a second-round pick to Cleveland uh, for with Justin Patton for David Nwaba. Just for all the, the CBA geeks out there, I had the note. I just didn't write them down. I was trying to figure out how I was going to balance it. So you could also do the non-simultaneous route, though. What's that? Can you do like a top fifty nine protected second round pick? I have no. I th- is that too blatant? I don't see why you couldn't. But <laughs> I wonder if that's against the rules because sometimes you see like top fifty five protected and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I so I, I don't know. Maybe that would be that'd be interesting. Th- those are like the fake seconds, and I think the thought process there is that if they do convey, you were so good. Who who cares? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That takes us to, and I believe this one will be. Um, your team, the Charlotte, uh, excuse, yeah, the Charlotte Hornets. Man, we had to skip a bunch of teams to get up to here. Um, buyers or sellers? They're buyers. I, I could see them being sellers too if somebody would willingly take on Nick Batum or Arvin Williams, but that's just been so difficult for them over the last couple of years. Um, untouchable players: Miles Bridges and Kimball Walker. I think that's true. Notable trade assets. Devontae Graham, Willie Hernan Gomez, non-guaranteed salary for 2019-20. Frank Kaminsky's a restricted free agent this summer. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist has a $13 million player option for next season. Jeremy Lamb is expiring at $7.5 million. And Malik Monk, who's still on his rookie contract. Notable inbound draft picks. All their future first-rounders. Brooklyn or New York's 2022nd, uh, whatever's less favorable. Cleveland's 2020. Second round pick, Brooklyn's 2021 second round pick, and the LA Clippers 2021 second round pick. Notable outbound picks, they have 2019 second rounder going to Atlanta, excuse me, a 2020 second round pick going to New York, a 2021 second round pick going to New York, a 2023 second round pick to Atlanta or Brooklyn. They have swap rights with each other. Um, the best salary matching assets. Bismack Biombo has a $17 million player option for 2019-20. That's just so crazy. Shout out summer of 2016. Yeah. Tony Parker, $5 million non-guaranteed for next season. Marvin Williams, $15 million player option for 2019-20. Another 2016 guy, although I think he's... Not worth that money, I think. But No, he's, he's, he's yeah, not. He's I think Marvin Williams has, has had a pretty strong, like renaissance over the last few years and then there's cody zeller who has two years and 29.9 million left steven adams light zeller yeah i need to look at that um toughest player to move nick batum two years 52.7 million i don't (laughs) can argue with that um yeah that's tough player most likely to be traded frank kaminsky um and i don't you know I, i don't think i can really argue with that either he's a guy who's um He's kind of been in and out of the rotation this season, right? Kaminsky, yeah, and he's the fact that he can't get consistent playing time with Cody Zeller out. Yeah, he's only appeared in twenty four games <laughs> this year, shooting thirty four point nine percent from three. Um, the legend of Frank Kaminsky will always be that Michael Jordan turned down 
four first round picks for him. Wasn't this the? Wasn't he the guy that was picked? No, that was. Um, or was that Justice? That was Justice Winslow. Winslow. I feel like I'm, I'm going to sound stupid now. I feel like Frank Kaminsky was involved somehow, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, was he taken before? He wasn't taken before Justice, was he? Now I got to figure this out so I don't look like an idiot. I'm looking. I mean, there's not. This is like too obscure. The four first round picks was definitely get Justice Winslow. Uh, that 2015 draft, yeah. he was picked. Oh yeah. Here's why they didn't trade it though. They took Frank Kaminsky ninth. Ah, so maybe that's so and they could have both the Heat and the Hornets, Hornets passed on that deal then. Yeah. Or was it just the Hornets? I can't remember. This is. I mean, it's 2015. That's almost five years ago. I make no apologies. I could have swore that that Charlotte got the that crazy offer too. But no, I you're could right be- now. I'm wondering if did the Heat get it as well? Maybe they only offered that many because they thought or they knew Miami was going to take Justice Winslow. I just remember some reports that were like Michael Jordan just loves Frank Kaminsky, and well, so they were talking about that even with this trade rumor coming out, and with which fits with it was Sean Davini of Sporting News saying that the Hornets wanted to use Kaminsky to get off Batum's salary, and I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> no, that's not happening. Eye in the sky, um, salary cap situation at a glance, they're about three and a half million under the luxury tax. And what to watch is can they swing a blockbuster? Did and you here, look, did you look at this trade before you before you read it? I this will all be fresh to me. I, I don't think I've seen this one. Um, the Hornets receive Reggie Bullock, Henry Ellenson, Blake Griffin, and Justin Patton. The Pistons receive Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, Malik Monk, Willie Ernan Gomez, Marvin Williams, a 2019 first round pick with top four protection, a 2019 second round pick. Um, from Philly and a 2020 second round pick from Charlotte and the Philadelphia 76ers received Frank Kaminsky. Um, I, I like it. They, now all of a sudden Charlotte has Kemba Walker, Blake Griffin. Um, that's a really good one, two punch. Reggie Bullock gives some shooting in there for them. Um, for Detroit, you get out of the rest of the Blake Griffin contract, even though he's been really good this season. I this is only to- something you do if you start over, which I want to be clear that the Detroit media has said yeah. the Pistons are not looking to do that. But if you and, were. And I, yeah, I've, I've had this thought about the Pistons a few times in the last few days is could they talk themselves into being sellers? I know Blake Griffin's been really, really good this season. Um, but I could still see someone in that front office thinking, do we really want to pay off the rest of this contract? Um, so I think that could come up and this is the deal that gets them out of that. And then it gets them some, some future assets. And then for Philly, um, you get another guy who can possibly give you some depth off the bench. He's a guy that I don't think would play over Jonah Bolden. Um, Bolden's just so much more versatile defensively. He's got a little bit of playmaking to him. Um, but I, I could see Philly doing this anyway, just taking a flyer on a former lottery pick who's, um, theoretically can shoot a little bit for just a couple of second round picks. Yeah. And I mean, none of them are, I think they're only giving up Justin Patton is Justin Patton and a second round pick. So and that's fine. Yeah. I, and just as a note, both Detroit and Charlotte evade the tax with this deal because they're both between them combined. They're within $4 million of the tax. Detroit has like 500,000 wiggle room. So I, I accounted for that. We are on to, I'm glad that I was hoping that was going to take you aback more if you didn't look at it, but I'm oh, it did. when I when I saw Blake Griffin, I was like, "Oh, wow!" <laughs> maybe maybe it didn't come through uh, the Skype connection, but I that that one did uh, 
opened my eyes a little bit. I'm on to the Nets. The Brooklyn Nets who are buyers. They are buyers. We repeat. The Brooklyn Nets, because yeah. they are headed to the playoffs. Their playoff odds are just ironclad at this point when you look at the uh, look at the East. They are they are a playoff team, so they're going to be buyers. <laughs> <laughs> they're untouchable players. I have Jared Allen, Spencer Dimwitty, injured but has a trade restriction, and Karis LeVert, who I still think they would consider untouchable, particularly while he's injured. Notable trade assets, Joe Harris, one year, $7.7 million. Ed Davis, expiring at $4.4 million. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is a restricted free agent this summer. Uh, Rodion's Kuruts, uh, Dizan Musa, and D'Angelo Russell, who's also a restricted free agent this summer. I'm sure some people are going to consider um, D'Angelo Russell untouchable. untouchable which is, yeah. now would be the time to sell high on him, though, if you don't want to pay him. I don't know what you can necessarily get for him. I don't think he's headlining in an Anthony Davis trade. but I'd keep him, but we can talk about that more. Later, maybe. I don't know. I, I think uh, Yana Musa is more more valuable. <laughs> I. It's interesting that Kuruks. I'm just been, kidding, everybody. FYI. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was going to say it's interesting that Kuruks has been the guy out of those two who's actually done some stuff for the Nets this year. I was I was fairly high on Musa. Yeah, he's been he's been great. Kevin Knox is, or excuse me, Kuruks is Kevin Knox's role model, as you pointed out on Twitter. <laughs> Notable inbound draft picks. They have all their future first rounders. Shout out to Brooklyn for surviving that Boston trade. Denver's yeah. 2019 first round pick with top 12 protection that will convey this year. New York's 2019 second round pick. Denver's 2020 second round pick. Phoenix's 2021 second round pick with top 35 protection. Their outbound draft picks of note. 2019 second rounder to Orlando. 2020 second round pick to Charlotte or Philadelphia. 2021 second round pick to Charlotte and a 2023 second round pick to Atlanta or Charlotte uh, swap rights on those best salary. What's up? Who did trade to get that first round pick from Denver? That was part of the Kevin, the three trade. Was it not? Wow. That's nice. (laughs) I'm double checking that right now. I didn't go um, in deep to that, but 2019, 2020. Yeah. Gave up a first round pick to get rid of Fareed. Who's now killing now a protected one and a second rounder. So Yeah. Wow. And yeah, he is he he does look pretty good with Houston. I was really interested when they made that trade. I thought Harden and D'Antoni might be able to get this guy going back up. Yeah. Although it's they really couldn't get I guess Marquise Chris, they just couldn't get him going in any capacity. <laughs> Didn't Marquise Chris demand a trade recently? I did not see that. I hope it's true though. I could have swore he he <laughs> Now I hope I'm not misspeaking again. Um, <laughs> you got that Sunday afternoon brain. I know. Marquise Christ requests trade six days ago. I didn't even see that. What kind of position are you in to ask for that? I don't know. That's amazing. Um, I guess his uh, his agent is refuting it. Well, he probably should because I don't think anyone's jumping. Oh, to wait. Trade. I don't know. Marquise, I don't, I don't really get this quote. Marquise didn't ask to be traded. Oh, okay, to Houston. I thought he said from Houston. This is from his agent. Marquise didn't ask to be traded to Houston. The Rockets are a great organization, and the kid has done everything they've asked of him to get onto the floor. If it's going, if it's not going to happen there, we just want him to be treated fairly. <laughs> I mean, that's, anyway, that's, a nice Marquise Chris tangent while we talk about the Nets. I mean, to be fair, it wasn't like he was. I, I don't know. Was, was he in line for big minutes in Phoenix this season? I don't think he was. Uh, yeah, who knows? 
<laughs> their best. <laughs> we're back to the Nets now. Best salary <laughs> matching assets. Jared Dudley's expiring at nine point five million. You have Damari Carroll expiring at fifteen point four million. Toughest player to move. Alan Crabb has an eighteen point five million dollar player option for next season. My most likely player to be traded: Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Just because might just be a guy. If you know you have to pay Russell, you've already paid Dinwiddie. Hasn't been great offensively this season. Maybe you look to see what you could get for him rather than chancing his market, assuming he even has one. Yeah, I can't. I don't really have an argument for that or against that. They have plenty of flexibility under the luxury tax. My what to watch is will they actually buy? Uh, this is the trade idea I came up with for them. Brooklyn Nets receive Nikola Mirotic. The Pelicans received Jared Dudley, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and the Knicks' 2019 second-round pick. I like this deal. Um, how many years does Je- Hollis-Jefferson have left? He's still on his – oh, no, he's it's going restricted into – restricted this year. Okay. Um, I still like it. Um, Miritich has bird rights, which is valuable to the Nets if they end up not hitting it big in free agency. And he's a guy they, – they've got their rim roller and their rim protector in uh, – Jared Allen. So floor spacing from the floor, I think, is probably what they would want. And Meritage gives them that, obviously. And Meritage is pretty – I think he's sneaky good at attacking closeouts, too. Um, his drives aren't the most beautiful things, but I, I think he's fairly reliable there. Um, so if you if you pair that with what D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert going forward, I, I think that's a really interesting deal. And then for New Orleans, it, you know – at some point, they're going to have to look at themselves and think, yeah, it's <laughs> we just got to start over. Um, Amir Tich is probably a guy that you just don't want to pay because he'll cost something. Not that he's not good, but he's going yeah. to cost something. Really, the only guy I, – I can see why New Orleans has uh, seemingly made Drew Holiday untouchable. Um, but I could, I could honestly see the argument for him being traded as well. But other than Holiday um, – there, there's really no one on the Pelicans that should be totally untouchable. I've heard they're high on Frank Jackson, and maybe that's just because he's young, and we'll see what he looks like in a year or two. But um, for the most part, that roster should be open and available. Before we get to the Celtics, can you give me a pronunciation lesson on Musa? Every time I see his phonetic pronunciation, I want to say yeah and keep and keep. And I think keep. it's. Oh, I'm I'm doing this without the benefit of a pronunciation guide, but I think it's Janan Musa. No, I think you're right. Whenever I see, I'm saying whenever I see Janan or like the J A H, I want to make the J silent, and I, I can't tell. Oh, you why. okay. So I am looking at it on Basketball Reference now, and I think it's Janan Musa, Musa, Janan Musa. Nets can feel free to shout. That one is like one of the tougher <laughs> ones too. I've got Ryan Archie Diakno down though, so we're we're good. So here's my question on that one. Um, I say Archa Diacono as well. Some people say Archa Jackano. But I think it is what we just said. I'm looking at it now. Arch- I just know that because I've seen – I feel like I've watched too much Bulls this season. <laughs> you have. I, I don't <laughs> – you don't even need to tell me how much you've watched. You've watched too much. <laughs> uh, basketball reference I think has ours. Archie Diacono. Yep. So we're two for two. Uh, what was the first one? Uh, Musa. But I blew that one out of the water by <laughs> making the J silent. So the oh, J silent. I, I, I had your back on that one. I'm leaning into into my brand of the bad mispronunciations. I get too inside my head when I go to pronounce them. It's bad when it's players I've you, seen you play know. a bunch and heard their name, like a like an well, RG Diakno. I'm trying to think of a player. 
that I've seen a book. Like, okay, Dellen Wright. I just want to call him Dellen. I don't know why I want to call him Dellen all the time. That one's Delon, right? It's Delon, but yeah, I I want to maybe because I have melon. In my, I have no idea. The problem with relying on what you hear on the broadcast is some of those guys are wrong a well, lot. You would hope the Raptors broadcast is. Great. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but I just want to say that you nailed Ek Anikbogu earlier. Did I? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you nailed that one. In fact, I think I just did it wrong because I think the first G can be silent, and that's how you did it. Yeah. Well, yeah. E.K. Anibogu. I think that's what I said. Yeah, you nailed it. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, To the Boston Celtics, which is your team, and there's really just – I find them very uninteresting at the trade deadline, even with the Kyrie Irving drama. Yeah. And funny quotes. You've got them as buyers, which is probably all they really can be, unless they are like really freaked out about Kyrie and and they trade need to him. just trade Gordon Hayward for expiring contracts to Sacramento. <laughs> Let's get it over with. Yeah, I was going to say the problem is who's taking Gordon Hayward, but yeah, maybe it's Sacramento. Um, untouchable players: Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, and Jason Tatum. Um, no, no real uh, disagreements there. Notable trade assets: Marcus Morris. Uh, expiring contract, $5.4 million. Terry Rozier, who's a restricted free agent this summer. Shemi Ojele, uh, non-guaranteed. I was going to say there's no pronunciation issues with this team, but um, maybe that's one. I think I got it right. Daniel Tice, which is one I know I got right. Early bird, restricted free agent this summer. And Robert Williams. Ooh, that's a tough one. Just kidding. Oh, yeah. I was like, tough in what way? Okay, I got it. Um, notable inbound draft picks. All their future first-rounders. The LA Clippers 2019 first round pick lottery protected, Memphis's 2019 first round pick top eight protected, and Sacramento's 2019 first round pick top one protected. Um, so I, I made a big deal about Philly's incoming picks. Boston's are crazy too, just because they're all firsts. And I know there's protections on all of them, but that's it's still can pretty. I, can I ask yes. a Anthony Davis trade related question? Assuming it leaks into this summer, is it more yeah. valuable to the Celtics? if that Memphis pick conveys this season or doesn't, and they're trading what would be top six protected in 2020, then unprotected in 2021. So they wouldn't be trading an actual player. Yeah. I was going to say, if I'm new Orleans, I probably want the later years because if you don't get, I haven't dug into this draft enough um, yet, but to me it's like tier one is Zion. Tier two is maybe John Morant and RJ Barrett. Um, Do not put. Oh, we're gonna have words when we get to the draft. When Cam Reddish ends up being so much better than RJ Barrett, <laughs> I was gonna. I was just about to say some people are still high on Cam Reddish, and you're obviously one of them. Um, but other, so I'll say those four guys. Let, let me say that Zion one tier two is RJ Cam and Morant. But then after that, it's like uh, there's really nobody that's super exciting to me. So if you get like the tenth pick. This season, I don't think that's as valuable as the mystery of what might be in 2021. I, th- I think I would tend to agree with you. And if if this pick doesn't convey, it's because Memphis, the only the only way you get uneasy about it is did, they, did this pick convey while they had Gasol and Conley? They didn't trade them. And so could you see them coming back and then making the playoffs next year? Yeah. Although I don't. They shouldn't. I'm just saying, what if, yeah. you know, what if yeah. Gasol – Ops in because that twenty five point six million is a lot of money. You still have Conley, you have Jaron Jackson Jr. Whoever you draft with this year's pick, that can end up being a, a fifth pick. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
I think I would tend to, like, if I'm New Orleans, I probably want it to be later. But no, I, 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 I totally agree because then there's there's also a chance that you get in on the 2021 draft, which I think I haven't studied at all, but I think that's supposed to be deep. Is it not? I know 2022 is when the college prospects and the high school prospects are supposed to come in together, freshmen and those, but I think the 2021 draft was just touted, but maybe, maybe not. So you, I, I, I usually don't know until like six months before the draft. So I'm the wrong guy to ask. Um, Notable inbound picks. You did. No, I just did that. Uh, Notable outbound picks. None. Um, Best salary matching assets. Aaron Baines, $5.4 million player option for next season. Marcus Smart, three years, $40.3 million. Toughest player to move, Gordon Hayward, two years, $66.9 million. Most likely to be traded, Gershon Yabuselli. Uh, owed $3.1 million in 2019-20 and has a team option for 2020-21. Yeah. Um, salary cap situation at a glance, between 3 and $4 million over the tax. And what to watch is will they try to duck the tax. Your trade has them getting Elliot Kobo, 2019 second-round pick from Phoenix, a 2020 second-round pick from Phoenix with top 40 protection, um, the Suns get Scalabissier and Terry Rogier, and the Kings get Troy Daniels, Gershon Yabuselli, and a 2020 second round pick from Boston. And I'm, I'm assuming this ducks the tax for the Celtics. Yeah, it's so unlikely because of the Kyrie stuff. I don't think you can trade Rozier at this point. That being said, Phoenix does seem like the perfect team to kind of help this deal because they're not going to have, they're going to have some wiggle room to work with this summer, it's not going to be the kind where they can go out and blow people out of the water with an offer for a restricted free agent, unless they find a way to cut salary, obviously. Yeah. And they're, they're a team that's like, every time there's talk of a point guard being available, you got to talk about the Suns because they've needed one for a while. And if they do have their maximum flexibility, by the way, it's probably because they renounced Kelly Oubre Jr., which I don't think that they would want to do if they still have him. I'm a, I'm in the Terry Rozier is slightly overrated school. Um, I'm in the school above you that says Terry Rozier is very overrated. <laughs> okay, um, but I I could still seems like see- a great person though. If that's if that means anything, he seems like I a know. fantastic person. And he's got a good nickname. Um, but Phoenix is a team that I I think he could help. Um, you don't need a super high-functioning offensive point guard if you've got Devin Booker, Booker there. Um, Just someone who and, lets him play off the ball every once in a while. Yeah, and uh, you might need a little bit of defensive help with Devin Booker at the two as well. He's he's kind of like the Patrick Beverly mold. I don't think he's quite on Patrick Beverly's level, but he's sort of similar stylistically where if you pair him against a ball or pair him with a ball-dominant shooting guard, he might make a little bit more sense. Um, so I think that's interesting. And if I just give him starter minutes. Maybe that's how he improves too. Yeah. And he was, when he had that role, he was obviously pretty dang good for Boston last season. He was great in the playoffs. Um, he closed the season strong. So maybe there's something to that. And I would look, if I'm Boston and you're not worried about Kyrie Irving leaving, I'm making this trade and I'm higher on a Kobo than most. I know he's, he's tiny, but I think he's going to going to, I don't want to say tiny. I think he's six, three, uh, I know there are defensive concerns, but I think he's going to end up being very good. And to just get, you know, you're not going to pay Rozier if you have Kyrie Irving anyway. And I mean, maybe they do only to try and trade him later next season. Um, a la Marcus Smart. I'm not saying they try to trade Smart. who has been fantastic this year, a top 50 player, I think. 
but maybe that's their thinking that if they want to get rid of his salary after resigning him, they could, I would still, you have to start. You don't want to put this year. You don't want this year to me to count towards the repeater tax as you're starting to worry about Kyrie Irving's next deal. Brown's next deal. Tatum's next deal. What's going to happen with Horford who has a $30.1 million player option this year. I understand why you wouldn't, if you think you're going to lose Kyrie this summer, if you think there's a chance, but if you remain confident behind the scenes, this is a think about what would happen, like the discourse, if the Celtics did make a trade like this for Terry Rozier gets traded to help duck the tax. That what that would do for the Kyrie Irving rumor mill. Yeah. Um what do you what do you think about the stuff that Anthony Davis's dad said about the Celtics? I mean, it's I so many other teams would have made the same decision as the Celtics. Oh so yeah. It's uh, maybe it wasn't the best way. I, I don't know. It was they would have had to pay Isaiah Thomas a boatload of money if they kept him, and then would have been killed for paying him. Yeah, so, and, sure. I, which is, or maybe they don't have to pay him because maybe he's injured like he was last season. I just, I understand that part of the business is cold. Anthony Davis's dad is not the one to be saying this just after his son requested. That's true too. A trade that that would be my opinion on it. How crazy would it be if? Um... <laughs> After all this, they wind up without Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis. <laughs> That's tough. You hate to see that for a small market like Boston. <laughs> it's certainly in play. While um, with Gordon Hayward on the books for two years and $67 million. And I know a bunch of people were like, oh, those Kyrie quotes were taken out of context. But if you, even if you watch the video of that interview, it's like, this is interesting. The stuff how he, you know, I don't know anybody, anything. Asked me in July. Um, it was weird. He seemed like he didn't put any emphasis on anything he said. He looked like he was just on autopilot with yeah. it. And I'm not sure whether that's encouraging or discouraging. Yeah, me neither. It's it's hard to read. There because- is a path, too, to the Knicks getting Irving Durant and Anthony Davis. And maybe that's that would be even bigger than the Miami heat coup in 2010 just because the knicks have none of these superstars and the knicks franchise let me be clear does not deserve any of these superstars while the the fans (laughs) certainly do there's a pathway there and maybe that's what makes it interesting you would sign kevin durant and irving first and then you would use your first um round pick this year as a salary anchor after he signs along with the rest of your other kiddos to match davis's salary and future picks that would you i don't know what you're left with as a supporting cast in that scenario uh, which is why it might be beneficial if they could figure out a way to keep Luke Cornett's hold just to use him as sal- sign and trade ballast in such a deal. But I'm saying there's a pathway there, and that's why maybe that's coupled with Boston underachieving relative to expectations, Irving's comments. It just makes it an interesting situation to monitor. So they would have enough um, they would have enough salary left over to match Anthony Davis's salary. So um, I have it. I actually I'm working on something about this, even though I think it's unlikely, and I I really just don't want to see the Knicks front office like <laughs> succeed in any way. No, I don't want to say it like that. But I just don't think it's going to happen. But I'm working on something about it. If they win the number one pick, they can get there pretty easily because the hold is going to be 120 percent of the rookie scale, and that's 9.7 million dollars. And you need to send out about 21.6 million to match oh. Davis's 27.1 million dollar salary. So if What's you put once you put, um, I'm assuming you would have to trade, and I don't know. That's the other interesting thing to me. If you have, if you have Zion, what else do you have to give up to get Anthony Davis? 
Um, not as much as some of the deals we've seen floated. I don't think. Like if you're if you have him, do you have yeah. to give up Kevin Knox in a Anthony Davis trade? If you can make the money work, which you can by using Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Nielakina. Yeah, it's certainly easier to get it done, I would think, if you if Zion's like guaranteed to be part of the deal. But if you, it gets interesting though once you don't have the number one pick because not only you're dealing with a smaller amount of money, but you're not dealing with the same caliber of player. So let's just yeah. say, let's say the Knicks had the third pick, who's gonna would be seven point eight million about after he signs. You would have to trade Dennis Smith Jr. You would have to trade Kevin Knox in that scenario. Those three bring you to sixteen million. So you're about five million and change short. I think that's when you say to New Orleans that you're going to have the pick between uh, Neil Aquina um, and Robinson. You could throw together, or you could have Trier and Robinson, which I think gets you there. So you say you can have Neil Aquina or Trier, and then Robinson, or maybe you can have Neil. Aquina. There, there are ways to do it. You could theoretically make it work. Irving. Durant and Davis would be crazy, and nobody else though. But. Well, oh, yeah, nobody else. But it would be. I think like that would be like a Miami situation. They'd probably sign one decent player for like middle, mid-level exception type money, like Mike Miller with Miami, and then you just have to fill out the rest with minimums. Uh, but the most ideal for the Knicks would be if they do get the number one pick, and I think what you do in that situation is try and keep uh, Kevin Knox. That would just be you give them future picks. You give them Dennis Smith Jr., you give them Zion, and if you use, just starting with Smith, um, Zion, and Neil Aquina gets you to, uh, what is that about? I should do that math really quick here. And Actually, I don't even think that's Neil Aquina. If you have Zion, and you have Dennis Smith, and then you include, what would be the other player you'd want? Probably, would you want Alonzo Trier, Neil Aquina? Um, that's... You need to include more than this. I'm just saying which player – you don't want to – the other thing is with New Orleans, you don't want to have all these guards. I'd probably say you'd rather have Neil Aquina just for defense. And so right there you're at $19.1 million. And so you, you would have to then still send Alonzo Trier or Kevin Knox just because Mitchell yeah. doesn't – Mitchell Robinson doesn't make enough. So you're looking at basically all of their young players. The goal, if you have Zion though, to me would be can we get this done while keeping Kevin Knox and Robinson? Just give them Zion – Give them Trier, Dennis Smith, Neil Aquina uh, first, and just just make it work. That it's it's feasible. I just don't know how you flesh out the roster after that. I know you made the minimum point, and if you still have DeAndre Jordan in the fold, maybe he comes back. You know, at, at like a veteran. They have his bird rights. They if they keep him, but yeah, that, to keep that cap hold, you're not going to sign KD and, and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, so here's my next question. If they if they did, and let's say that there's like a zero point five percent chance all everything breaks right and they wind up with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis, um, and then the Warriors are just what they are minus Kevin Durant. I'm still taking the Warriors, right? I'm taking the Warriors too because they're still deeper than the Knicks, although their yeah. depth is questionable now. It's close though. I don't. I, would you call the Knicks the second best team in that scenario? The, think of how deep the Bucks would be if they kept their guys. Yeah. What Denver's done this season. Toronto would still be good. Unless um, Kawhi leaves. Yeah, but I think I think the gap between Curry and Kyrie and and don't misunderstand me. I think I think Curry's still better 
but I think Kyrie's closed that gap a little bit. Kevin Durant would be um, he'd be the second best player in that theoretical series behind Curry. Date well. <laughs> It'd be kind of a toss-up between him and Davis, actually. Well, the Knicks would have two of the three best players in that series, I think you could say. <laughs> That's the better way to put it. You could could you also say they'd have three of the three, three of the, of the four, four best players? Yeah. Three of the four, I think, would be accurate. I don't I don't Draymond's not on Kyrie's level. Um That's interesting. Three I, of the four players in a series is tough to beat. Yeah, I just what do you put around them? I mean, and there's a like you would have to, if you're probably not going to win the number one pick. Let's remember this. That's true. Yeah. So that's big, big domino. And if you don't now, you're now you have to give up everyone. It's you have to just say, I'm just even if it's like again, if it's the number, I'm just going to use number four because they can't they can fall as far as five, but I'm just going to say four. Now you have to give up Dennis Smith, and you have to give up Kevin Knox, and you have to give up Frank Nielakina, and you have to give up. Alonzo Trier, and you're still at 18.8 million. I don't even know if that's. I think would they have the full. Would they have the full mid-level exception? They would have the room exception because they'd be using cap room for Davis and uh, Kevin Durant. They're not going to be operating as a team over the cap. I'm looking at like 2019 free agents and which like decent players would play for the minimum for them. <laughs> Because that, I mean, that's the obvious bugaboo for this is supporting cast. But you would that, that would, would be, be that would have to be the trade, I think. Though you, if you got the fourth pick, you have to give up Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nielakina, Kevin Knox, and Alonzo Trier, and that's about twenty three point seven million dollars. So I guess in theory, you could say, oh, we'll give up Mitchell Robinson instead of Trier, but I do think Robinson is more valuable. So uh, here's. Here's the other thing with this, though, is if they if they don't get the number one pick, then I I don't think New York has the best offer for Davis. Uh, not if Boston gets involved, and that could be yeah. the best thing that happens for Boston is that the Knicks don't win the lottery because yeah. then there's they I don't even know then does this Knicks offer beat top three top four pick plus Dennis Smith Jr. Frank Nielakina, Kevin Knox and Trier does it beat Boston's offer without Tatum? Um, wait, say, say that again. You have a top, I'll say, I'm going to say top four pick. That's not okay. the number one pick. Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nielakina, Kevin Knox, and Alonzo Trier. And there's going to be, you could include a, other future picks. You could give up your 2020 pick in that scenario too. Uh, you could give up that Mavericks 2021 pick that's unprotected because the Knicks picks aren't going to be valuable. If you have those three, I would say that New York's pick is going to be way more valuable than Dallas's would be the assumption by that point. Does that even beat Boston's best offer without Tatum? Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's almost a toss up. Um, Which I guess isn't a bad spot to be in if the Celtics, if they don't still have a guarantee that Davis is going to. All the other issue is, is that if the Knicks are in this situation, it's because they have Kyrie Irving and how likely are the Celtics to go after Davis if they don't have Kyrie. Yeah. There's all kinds of variables. Um, I, I do think the Lakers offer would still be very enticing, too, if if New York doesn't have the number one pick. That's where things could get really interesting is if the Celtics aren't willing to include Tatum, the Knicks don't win the number one pick. Now, all of a sudden, you have those three teams, and those offers are, I would say, comparable. 
Yeah. I, I think still, I, I think the that, Knicks one might be maybe I'm placing too much stock on Knox in the top top three or top four pick. I don't it would it would be again if the if the Celtics, if we're not working with a number one pick for the Knicks or Tatum from the Celtics, those three teams, that would be an interesting bidding war. Yeah. I think in that situation, Lonzo's the best prospect um of the bunch. So that's that's one sort of ace. I wouldn't I would think that I think the Celtics or the Lakers would be giving up the best immediate prospect because I'm still there on Ingram. And like you said, with ball and then you have Jalen Brown who could still end up being really good. The Knicks though, to have that to just, they're the only one that's anchoring it with a top four pick from this year on the rookie scale, not yeah. three years left on his rookie scale. It's, I just think they're, if the Celtics, if they include Tatum, it's done. It's them. Yeah. Um, if the Knicks don't have the number one pick though, and they're not including Tatum, and the Lakers are still there. That's just to have those to have all those markets going against each other. Wild. Now, now watch Davis get traded during the Super Bowl tonight and throw this whole thing off. Um, yeah, I was just thinking that I have to. We went for like fifteen minutes on this. I was proud of us for doing such a long riff at the beginning and still finishing inside a buck fifteen. But I think the Davis that that's an interesting thing to talk about. Can the Knicks get all three of those guys? And mathematically, yes. Absolutely. Logistically, yeah. probably not. I guess logistically, yes, too. In all likelihood, though, no. Yeah. Um, I think that we hit every team, and we, we gave you a bonus Anthony Davis-Knicks discussion. Um, if you have anything else you want to talk to us about, we've now done the entire Eastern Conference. So um, as the trade deadline approaches, make sure if you uh, haven't listened to the the episode about the non-playoff teams, you can go back in the feed and find that. Um if you want to find us on Twitter to talk about any of these teams, you can find Dan at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I am at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. As always, uh, we encourage and uh, ask of you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you've already done all those things. Uh, share it with your friends and family. And until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Ben Oudry and Kyle Anderson. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.